I am unashamed. What about you? So it was interesting because I told y'all uh, from the road, so I did a couple of podcasts last week. I was in a hotel, which was a struggle fest because their internet wasn't great. And it's really hard when I'm not here and you don't have good internet because it's a lot. Well, light. just one podcast. Or well, I guess it was two. Of it was two uh, yeah. last week. But we, we have a good staff here that helps fix some of our boo-boos. But I, ma- I wound up making it. So I had, I had six grandkids plus a boyfriend plus my daughters, two carloads, all the way wow. to the you know East Coast. Better so, you than me. <laughs> it was a, it was a challenge, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and enjoyed our time together. We stayed in a really pretty place there in in North Carolina. But I went down to South Carolina. Part of the reason we were doing this whole you know spring break trip is that I was speaking at a men's thing. So I get there, Jason. I was surprised because the guy that's running it, Chris, who is a great guy and uh, had a great idea for this men's thing he did, he said, yeah, we we had Jace lined up. And uh, and I was like, really? And I said, well, I'm, I'm glad I get to pinch it for Jace. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I guess this has been months ago. So he had, they had talked to Bonnie. Well, you were going to do the event, which you probably don't even know about. But then when the production came up with the show, you were like, no, we can't do it. Because it was obviously you, y'all were filming. I don't filming. think it ever got to me. Well, maybe not. Yeah. And uh, but, I don't have any recollection of that. Right. So I was like, well, that's really good. I said, you know, so I texted Jace. I was like, well, I, I'm pinching for you up here. We didn't, I didn't know it. Jace didn't know it, which is kind of funny. But we did this event and you were talking about worship. It was just men. You know, there was, there was no women. But we had, there was a little three person um, praise band. And the guy that was all young, you know, and the guy that was the worship leader, he, I was like, so are you the worship leader at this church? Cause I think we were at a Methodist church. I can't remember. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm at the competitors across the street. <laughs> and I was like, really? And I looked, there's this huge Presbyterian church right literally across the street from this other one. And, but he was leading worship at their men's event, which I thought that was pretty cool, but he was really energetic and good and it just reminded me because, you know, I was there to speak and, you know, what they had asked me to speak about. But like everybody else, when, man, we're having great worship and these men are really just singing out and sharing, you know, in worship. I mean, it's inspiring. I mean, it, 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 it really makes a difference to help you when you're, you know, you're going to share with a group of people. But it was really good. Some great guys there. And I met another Chris uh, who I know is listening because he listens. He is a hardcore listener of a podcast. And uh, and he told me, he said, you know, I was lukewarm at best. And I started listening to Shame. He said, and you guys lit a fire under me. And he works for some company that he gets a chance to speak to a lot of people a lot of the time. He said, I'm, I'm telling about Jesus everywhere I go. I said, well, you keep going. But it reminded me of what, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so those of you that are listening out there, I love the times we get to interact with you. And you can tell me those stories. Because, you know, it helps us to know that because we just get together and study the Bible is what we're doing. But it helps me to know that it's making a huge impact, both in spiritual growth, discipleship, living unashamed, you know, being bold. I mean, all the things that I hear, you know, consistent basis. Yeah. I mean, we're we're called by God to be vocal in our life and what we say. Right. In Jesus. I mean, and I think those worship moments or one, it's a celebration and it pumps you up, but it also, they're there even when you're not in the church building, when you listen, I think it's a good thing. I mean, it's like, I remember Phil saying one time, it's hard to sin or mess up when you're singing a song to God. That's right. It just doesn't go, that that doesn't fit. Right. And uh, it takes a while, I think, for people out of the world to be able to sing, because I'm a terrible singer. But, uh, and I'm in a musical family. I mean, yeah. my wife and all my kids, they're in there. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I treasure now is uh, Mia. She's really talented on the piano. Y'all have heard her. And every night she she just plays for hours and we, we just, we listen. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually at that moment where I'm like, I'm savoring this because I'm really going to miss this one day. <laughs> and uh, even from just writing her own songs to playing them i mean it's inspiring it's just good clean fun it's god's idea wasn't wasn't ours so jace i got to use i get to use that that you would originally they tried to get you to come as my opening line i usually whatever is happening in the moment i usually turn that into the way i open 
And so I, I got up there and said, well, I just found out. I had no idea that, and neither did Jace because I texted him that Jace was, you know, they thought he might be the one speaking to you, but now you got me. I said, so I, all I can say is there's one word that applies to that scenario. Then I paused and I was like, upgrade. <laughs> 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 and they laughed. It was really funny. So then I told them about the show, what you were doing. I said, I'm actually, I would have been on Jace's new show because we were going to film a scene with the family, and I couldn't do it. So I was actually, instead of being on your show, I was Well, yeah, speaking. the last the last hoorah, we kind of all got together. But you, you, you were noticeably absent, so... That'll probably start some good rumors online. Oh, it will. And, and I thought like, I wanted I oh, wanted our audience to know because you're I, one I know. of the brothers because <laughs> they have all these. I'm already the outcast, you know, because this unashamed podcast with Jason Phil Roberts. I get it all the time. Why is your name on there? I said, well, because I produce the show. It's not like it's not my show. It's I produce the show. Yeah. So it's just a different. I like chose of all the things that have happened. People say sometimes, when do you when do you realize when did you realize that you were famous or whatever? And there's been a couple things that happened i guess in our history but i do remember one time i was in a grocery store and it was just a long line i was waiting and you know how they these these companies they they made an an art out of how to put all this stuff that you don't need right there Mm -hmm. where you put all your stuff out. you know what they call it what impulse buying impulse there's actually a name for it impulse buying they you're about you're on your way out you've already got a buggy full of crap you probably don't need and well they like, got you trapped yeah too. and you're waiting and I, there in line and i told Y'all you need to have this conversation <laughs> with your mother yeah so look i'm standing <laughs> there an intervention <laughs> i'm standing there and i'm looking and there's a, a people magazine and we were on the cover our family and for some reason this was during you know the show so i was looking i was thinking huh i'm on this magazine <laughs> But then I look behind me, and there's a person, there's a woman. She's looking at the magazine and looking at me. She looks back at the magazine. She looks at me. She looks back, and she shook her head. No. <laughs> no she she yeah. was trying to make the connection, and I was tempted to say, hey, that's me. I that You're wrong. But I thought, no, that's probably, you're probably right. Can't be me. I had the same experience last year, Jay. So I was standing in line at the, down in Gulf Shores, and, and I'm, you know, I'm glancing around, like I said, I'm trapped. I'm looking, and I look at one of the tabloids, and I see a, and I notice the picture, and it's Dad and Cy and you and Willie, you know, one of those promo shots from the old show. And it's in the corner of it. And I went, I look, and I kind of look closer to it, and I got the magazine, It was, a, and it said, Duck Dynasty Shocker, Love Child Driving Family Apart. <laughs> <laughs> and it That's was a, why I'm saying it most was about of those Phyllis, headlines. You know, I bought the thing. I wish I, would, I guess I should have given me money, but I bought the thing just because I wanted to see what they had to say. And me and you and Willie and Jeff were just the villains of the story. Right. Dad, you were actually they, they treated you. Kind you know, of. it hit me. I think the Christian world and, and just conservative people in general. I mean, I may be wrong on this, but I think we're the last people on the planet that it's actually okay to make fun of. That's right. No, you're exactly right. Anybody can make, we can make fun of ourselves. Comedians can make fun of us. We're still, yeah, we're still good. We're fair. Game. Have you noticed that? So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but you've brought up an interesting point as we plod into Second Corinthians. A lot of people, they, they say, but what's providing the fuel to be excited or serious or whatever? Regarding the Word of God, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, when he talked about what was going on at Corinth, he gave them the the source of the fuel. Uh, In Romans 12, when he was talking to the Romans before he got to the Corinthians, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, and he goes from there to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. So worship is tied, if you're looking for what's the fuel behind it, to God's mercy. In the Corinthian letter, therefore, it sounds like Romans 12, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Mm. Mercy is a is a is a powerful uh, what would be the word, Al? It's a powerful uh, reason yeah. 
to, to follow Jesus, the Son of God, because of his mercy. It's a motivator. It, it, I mean, I think it, it is the motivator. We probably don't talk about that as much anymore. We talk about his love and all, but the mercy part, we kind of shortchange that a little bit, I think. Right. I mean, those two texts just said, you know, that it's your spiritual act of worship. Well, I think because I was, of God's mercy and because of God's mercy in view of it, uh, same thing that we don't lose heart. We've renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception. Do we distort, do we distort the word of God by setting forth the truth plainly? You're like, hmm. You're right. In essence, it is the same. It's the same message to both churches. Yeah. In Romans, he made it. In other words, without being motivated by God's mercy, you won't be effective. Right. It's. But he also said, since we have God's mercy, but then in verse seven, he said, we have this, see that word, treasure. Yeah. That word appeals to me. Mm -hmm. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us, which I think that's another reason to sing. God's mercy and then God's power. And think about it on this veil thing with Moses that he just got through speaking about. You know, his face was glowing, you know, but then it was fading away. Not law. Law was not the motivator here. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. And Satan, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. So it all keeps coming back to God's mercy based on what he did, nailed to the cross and his resurrection. Right. He keeps telling them that. That's, that's, that's your motivation for your existence. Well, and the reason we talked about this before, the reason he used the veil and the the glory in the brightness of Moses's face and body, the idea we talked about this in the last podcast that as it's fading, the the realization is law, things of the earth, things that we can or can't control, all those things are fading. And what he's saying here is, but once you get into Christ and His glory. Not only does it not fade, it's ever increasing. So that's why he said, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So he was like, Moses was just a man, just which, like you which are. Which is the treasure. That's right. That, that the light inside. I mean, the law it. says, keep it or die. God's mercy over, oversteps that. That's right. And he says, I'll die. I'll do the dying. I'll keep it it and uh, die. I'll keep it and then I'll die to get you out from under it. And that's what you call mercy. That's a great point. And I like the way you tied it in from both uh, books because of both churches, I should say. Because those those are churches that that went to. But look, there was a challenge. He he does says one thing different in Corinthians than he did in Romans. He said, our ministry— so in this case, he's saying we're all in this together. The other one's the individual challenge, but individually, all we are is a group of soldiers, or you know, whatever you know, reference you want to put us in. That now we do this together, and so that's why we talked about worship, and you get the idea that when people are together in that moment, I mean, it does, doesn't it, Jason? It's, it's like it it puts a shine on it. I mean, it, it's a it's. Well, you remember when the Red Sea was parted? What what was their response? You know, after they walked through, they got up on that mountain and they sang a song. That's right. Same thing. Decla- I mean, because you're declaring victory over what God is doing, and you're just so fired up. You're like, exactly. hey, I'm the one I'm following. He can move an ocean in two that I can walk on it. Exactly. Or the naysayers. Hang on, Dad. The- Let's take a break. Unfortunately, we hear almost every day uh, about another corporation going woke. Uh, lately, it's been Disney. But it's always somebody that has all this propaganda, this leftist stuff that's been going on around the country. One of our sponsors uh, is, is really trying to battle that by just being a Christian conservative company. Uh, it's called Patriot Mobile, and they are a cell phone provider. Uh, they offer the same nationwide coverage as the other major carriers, so you get great service. Plus, you get the peace of mind that when you use their product, 
your money is supporting free speech, life, liberty, the things that you probably care about as a listener of our podcast. So I want you to check these guys out. They share your values. They have some great uh, veteran first responder deals. So uh, definitely go and, and take a look at them. PatriotMobile.com slash Phil. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You get a free activation code with the offer code Phil, veterans and first responders, as I mentioned, save even more if you make the switch. So it's patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. For the naysayers through the years, the ones that have, uh, that anger came forth from them, as I shared Jesus with them, they being sinners and they going six foot hole in a hole in the ground and I'm studying with them and they get riled up and they start accusations start flying and they get mad to those. I learned a, a, a valuable lesson. I would just say, just think about it. Hmm. Just think about it. Right. Well, the, before I would try to out argue them when I was younger, right. but then I learned a lesson. I said, no, it's not about, not about that. Right. It's about, the gospel that is veiled to those who are perishing. We have to be patient. I will say the ones I just said, just think about it. Some have come back years later and told me, remember when we just talked about this before? Yep. He says, well, you told me just to think about it. He said, I have, or she'll say, I have thought about it. Yeah. You were right. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my life to the Lord because of his mercy. Yeah. But it, it's a, it's a hard sale. But you don't want to get them, be mean to them like they're they're cursing you or whatever. I'm just say calm down here. Just think about it. Well, and that's why you think about that. Jace made the point that he described it as a jar of clay, which you could take that a lot of different ways. I'm sure there were cultural, you know moments how they viewed that. But I just think of the word fragile. When I think of a jar of clay, it's fragile. It's imperfect. A lot of times cracked piece of it broken off. But the idea is that's us because we can't in and of ourselves. By the way, while you're, while you're there, what what is the veil, Jace? Although our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. What's, I would what's, say what's the veil? You, based on the chapter. gospel is the story of Jesus. I know, I coming well, flesh, dying, being buried, raised. You say, why, how could that be? What, what, where's the veil there that, so they can't I, see it? I think in verse 16, my answer would be uh, in 15 and 16, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Yep. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So two things. Hard heart means not open-minded. Yep. Not looking, not searching. Yep. And then when they're when they when the uh, when they turn to the Lord, so if your heart is after or open to anything besides the Lord, a, a veil comes in. Uh, it, it, so you justify whatever you're pursuing on the earth. Everybody's pursuing something, even if it's not nothing is something. On you know if you're sitting on a couch eating Cheetos every day. You're pursuing sitting on a couch eating Cheetos every day. I mean, that that is your pursuit. So I, that's what I think. I mean, when you're distracted, and I think that's why it's hard for people who have some knowledge of the Lord, they're in actually a harder place to reach than people just who just have no idea because they think, oh, I heard that. Yeah, and I'm not interested. Well, then when you try to share with them, they're like, yeah, yeah, but it's not real to them. No, and I think <clears throat> I think you're on to it, and I think that veil works at two different times in a, in a person's life, potentially. The first one, you know, we talk about, remember Romans 7, where Paul's describing, you know, he said, you know, once I was alive apart from law, he said, but then this, the commandment came to sprung to life, and then all of a sudden he knew something different. I was describing it recently. You know, you, when you're a kid, you have an innocence about you. And so, so what they, what kids do, and I did it. I watch my grandkids do it now. They just make up stuff. They, they, they think they're a superhero. They're this. They're that. They, because when you're not having to face the realities of the world, you're living in your own little make believe place. You know, as you're growing up, and there's an innocence with that. And then one day, all of a sudden, it's not that way anymore. 
and everybody individually happens. Well, what happened? Somewhere there was a realization a veil was lifted that you saw sin for what it was. And then all of a sudden you start thinking differently. You start acting differently. And you notice most people leave make-believe then. And he follows that down and ends up with what a wretched man I am. Exactly. So then you Who's get to rescue then you get to the point of death. The new veil that you have now because of sinfulness in your own life has to be lifted so you can see something in a way Ooh, out of well, it. Well, I think a lot of it is is people have a misrepresentation or misunderstanding of what it is to be in the Lord. But it's like the same our last podcast. I mean, I heard a song on the radio or the jet play, and I'm like, ooh. As I started studying, I was like, ooh, and I was wowed, and I'm singing this song, and I'm studying, and I'm, and my point is, it's like I remember when we were first doing the first show we did, and I said, well, what, what numbers are we looking for? Because I didn't know how the game was played. Yeah. They're like, okay, the show comes out, and then they have these ratings. What are, what are our ratings? And I was trying to understand the process of, how do we know uh, whether we're yeah. successful? How do we know this is good? And this senior cinematographer there who's been on hundreds of movies and been involved, and he he was the only one, I think, that stayed for the whole filming of uh Yeah, I mentioned him on the last podcast. Yeah. yeah. He said, oh, it's not about the numbers. It's all about are you growing the numbers. He said, the day you stop growing, you're dead. <laughs> And I thought about that in business as well. Same thing, even on like the stock market or whatever. When you stop growing, people sell. They sell. They're That's like, right. "Up, oh, they're gone. It's it's over." But in translate that in the Lord, you you never once you turn to the Lord, well, you never stop. The day you stop being wild by the Lord in your Christian life, you you you're dead. You you've lost it. You it never stops then. As you grow and mature and learn, and because basically the Bible has one theme, and mm-hmm. it's wrapped around Jesus and who He is. Well, you're going to study and be wowed by that for the rest of the, your your time on earth. That's why when you share Jesus, which is all about ministry and what we're talking about here, it fires you up every time with a greater excitement than drugs or alcohol or the world. It's a greater spiritual high when you see people who turn to the Lord, then it excites you. Then you all go together and you sing about it, just like they did when the Red Sea was parted. They had a moment there. I mean, that song is amazing. I mean, they're they're like, the Lord is a warrior. I mean, here they were being, you know, it's one thing to read a story. It's another thing to be out there. They have movies. There's enough warrior movies and 1600 movies and people getting stabbed with knives. And I mean, Hollywood's into that. People like watching it. You're being chased, and you don't have much weaponry by a bunch of warriors. In any worldly situation, you're fixed to die horrible death. Slaughter. Yeah. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, you have this happen, some supernatural occurrence that's unexplainable. And then all these warriors, the greatest fighters on the earth, they just get pummeled swallowed up yeah swallowed up and then well you're up there singing you thought you were a warrior the lord is a warrior (laughs) i I love that line in that song but i think the same thing happens in everyday life from a spiritual standpoint because he's talking about spiritual here that's why he he gets down to the end which i hate jumping to the end but i feel like i need to with saying this but he's like we focus in verse 18 so we focus our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this is coming on the heels of all this stuff about being in despair and perplexed and struck down. And I mean, all the life's physical challenges and the things that goes on, it's like we have a a spiritual warrior in our hearts that's leading us to victory. And it ignites our fire in us Every time it's shared. That's why he said, I believe, therefore I've, I've spoken. Right. You can't help it. Yeah. You just, you can't help it. And it reignites that fire every time. So that's how you kind of stay excited. And I think you keep away from veils then. You think about when you have a veil, not only are you not seeking and you're not understanding, well, you're not sharing either. Your life is being wasted. Right. You were given life, and you're just spinning your wheels, doing whatever, you know, trying to make a buck here and there and trying to find direction. 
Well, and then the idea <clears throat> of veils in and of themselves are to hide. Um, maybe it's to hide beauty, you know, in the case of some, you know, groups around the world, you know, their, their women have to wear a veil to hide their beauty. So other man won't, men won't look at them in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Veils are about hiding things. And it is interesting because in the Moses case, it was about hiding the glow fade because the only way they could stay fired up about trying to keep the law, as long as they thought that God was, you know, Moses was, had this glow about him, but as that fades, so did their faith because they didn't have a strong faith. Because they yep. didn't understand yeah. exactly what there is also a source for the ones who say, "Get that Bible out of my face." Hang on, down before you read that, let's take a break. So it's returning spring, heading towards summer. One of the things that uh, that I always think about, and I'm sure you guys do too, is do I have some really comfortable underwear that will wick the sweat away from my body? Do you think about that a lot, Dad? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. Uh, I'm a little man of a little bit of heftier, uh, but I'm working on that. But uh, one of the things we love about our Tommy John underwear, and I've mentioned to you before that I was using this product long before they started sponsoring uh, our show. And one of the reasons why is their underwear don't ride up uh, and they don't bunch up. And now they have these new wicking technologies that actually keep the sweat from, you know, when you're out in the sun all the time working, doing whatever you're doing, uh, it can become a real problem. Shipping and returns are free because every pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. I like that. Uh, It's Tommy John's anniversary month uh, that we're in right now. So whether you're trying them for the first time or you're a longtime fan like me, get 25% off site-wide right now at TommyJohn.com slash Phil. That's 25% off. That's awesome. TommyJohn.com slash Phil. TommyJohn.com slash Phil. See their site for details. And the veil that's there, he does give give the, the unbelievers, he, he gives them their source. The God of this age, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, every time you see that comment, that's the evil one has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You tell people about him, you say, what's all this vitriol? And the ones that get all, you know, get that Bible out of my britches. And the ones that are in that camp, it's a mighty throng of them now. But he says right here, the God of this age has blinded them. They, he, they, they, they can't see it. Well, no, that's a good point, too, to remember that God doesn't hate them. He loves them. That's right. And he wants them to understand, but they're blinded. So when you understand it's the evil one that's wreaking havoc in their lives, because people, we, we get so sensitive to people that we disagree with that we start hating them as a group of people. Yep. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, what's, what's ironic is he blinds them with things you can see. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. it. It's like almost a mind-bending riddle. Yeah. It, everything you can see, that's blinding you from what you can't see, which is the source of not only the creation, but what can transform your inner being in a powerful, supernatural way. You're right. And everything becomes about the visual. It's, it's like, Jason, we were in D.C. and we were watching the, the nasty women getting ready to march and they had hats on their heads that looked like a woman's vagina. The hat. Yeah. yeah right. I, I, we were caught up in that parade. I was trying to get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I was I was like, what are all these thousands of people around here? I was trying to cross the street. And finally, I just said, I'm going to have to part these people. And I looked up, and I was I was in the, the <laughs> you were part of women's the march. parade. Somebody recognized me, and then they started hurling insults at me, you know. But them, you saw the hats, didn't you? Some oh, of the, yeah. oh it, there were way more nastier things than that. Oh, I mean, and some it, of the signs. It, it, it was, you know, but if somebody would have taken a picture for one moment, you know, I was actually in that movement as I crossed the street. <laughs> trying to get coffee. a cup of coffee and get out of the movement. But my yeah. point is, it, you're right. It's always about... The, the the visual, the 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 word of insult. And so you look back at that that little thing Jay's just referenced in verse eight. There's always something better though. We are hard pressed on every side. 
that's bad, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. So he always gives you that it could be worse. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I just like the way Paul's like, look, there's a lot of bad things that happen, but there's always a silver line. There's always a way if you yeah. if you can see the unseen, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I remember some comedian, which he could never say this now, but years ago he was talking about, because there was this big debate about you know, women not making as much as men yep. and, you know, which look, I'm for, it doesn't, you know, if they should be getting paid sure. as much if you're doing the same job, but he was, he made a, now he was a comedian and this is before everyone was so sensitive that you can't even joke about it. Yeah. But he was like, my whole problem with that is he's like, we'll, we'll start paying you the same when we stop handing off all the women and kids in any kind of kidnap or war situation. He's like, what about me? <laughs> you, know, he was, you know, that's yeah. just, you don't think about it on TV. Right, right, right. But every time it's like, he's like, you could have the most feminist of feminists, you know, he's like, but if some kind of hostage situation breaks out, they're like, hey, yeah, we're out of here, y'all. Let's get the women and the kids out, you know. Yeah. But I just thought about that when in our society now, you, you know, you have, we all should get paid equal, but we then become sensitive on the, these issues where we're not so much practical in the worldly application of it, you know. I saw that on the recent Seinfeld episode with George. Well, that show couldn't even be on. Now. No, I know. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. It makes me think about every time you bring something like that up. There was, there was a, they were having a birthday party and there was this clown, Eric the clown was there and George didn't like it. And then something caught on fire where George just ran over the women and kids to get out of the door. Yeah. And so as Seinfeld saw him, he said, so George, you pretty much think the notion of women and kids first is an outdated, an outdated one. He yeah. said, Yes, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like that. You know, it's like that big debate they said about like women who watched the Titanic. They're like, "Well, that's the most romantic movie." Well, that same comedian was making a joke. He's like, "It was horrible." He's like, "Every man in it died." He's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Except for that one guy, the one coward that got on the boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, probably he's alluding to in Second Corinthians four. We covered this earlier in first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. Well, we're still in that same age that the Romans were in, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No Jesus here, no message of hope, no mercy. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. This thing is coming out of before the time even began in the creation. None of the, of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And he goes, when he gets to 2 Corinthians 4, he sort of brings up that same school of thought, Al, about our message being veiled, not understood, the wisdom of this age. It's just, they're like, what? I mean, they, they look at you when you say, let me tell you about Jesus of Nazareth, the one we're all counting time by. Yeah. 2022 years ago, God became flesh. Well, you start showing them. But I will have to admit, there have been many that are just shaking their heads like just well, non nonsense. I think it's because of what we're saying. He also said we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You know, he says that in chapter five, because you're focusing on what is unseen. It's not about male or female. He addressed that. He he basically made it about mm -hmm. all everybody. Here's what you come together under. Everybody's made mistakes, and God passed the test for you uh -huh. by giving up Jesus. And that you know that's what he's referring to when he says, you know, when he says this treasure is in jars of clay to show that this power is from God and not us. We are hard pressed on every side, 
but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, despair persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Because that's all what you can see on the physical side. Yep. But inwardly, he says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also revealed in our body. For we are alive, we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So he, so he, he made the point. That, let's take a break. He made the point, Jace, that everything they were doing, because the we there every time, he's talking about him and the people trying to help this church in Corinth, because yep. he finds, he says at the end, all, we do all this for you. So that you can understand, so that you but can. But it's see. men, it's women, it's believers, it's it's people who are who are focused on the spirit of God and Jesus that saved them, going around being mauled from a worldly sense, right? But having an eternal victory because of what we're a part of together. I mean, I, I think that's what we got to gotta have, get our, our head hats, wrapped around. To use y'all's language, I, I'd never heard that before. But to have hats portraying women's uh, genitalia, genitalia to, to wear hats and jumping up and down, I probably would think if I was just standing there, that maybe, they, maybe they're not quite ready yet to, <laughs> to accept the, the, the You think they may God. have a veil? I mean, you, you think yeah. a veil may cover their heart? Is it a veil? Yeah. The wisdom of this well, world, and, but, and, and but, it comes but, down to that. And you're like, well, that was my on. point. I just looked at it kind of like, hmm, man, we need to be speaking Jesus a lot more into our culture oh. because I thought the same thing, Dad. Because it was it was so ridiculous in and of its own nature oh. that it was almost comical. But they were dead serious. But I'm saying, from my point of view, I was like, hmm, the genitalia hats. I, you know, why? And yet. They don't really have a reason why either, but that's what happens when the evil one is in charge of your heart. I mean, you come up with some crazy oh, stuff. You don't Nonsense know. becomes makes perfect sense. It does to them. If you right? don't know how you got here or why, I mean, you get into all kinds of things out there. Right. I mean, so that's why I'm saying when you put things that are visible, you remember the verse in Romans 1 where he said they believed the lie instead of truth for they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Mm-hmm. I mean that—that's the foundation backdrop for a veil, yep. lie over truth, created things versus the Creator, and constantly trying to to build yourself up as the god of your own world, whatever you know, whatever you're doing, to become like the evil one. Exactly. So let's read that section in in first starting at thirteen there, since we're there. Because he comes back from that idea that all this is being done for you, which, by the way, Jace, to your point about the end of it, at the end of chapter five, he's going to invite everybody that he's speaking to into this ministry. He says, now, by the way, we're doing all this for you, but the whole purpose is, is for you to be doing this yourself. Therefore, he makes everyone a minister of reconciliation. That's kind of what this whole section is about. He said in verse 13, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that, and that's from um, Psalm one sixteen. Yeah, one sixteen, which is an ironic quote because when you read the Psalm, you know he he his next verse in the next verse of Psalm, he says, "I believe, therefore, I, for therefore I said, I am greatly aff- afflicted, and in my dismay I said, all men are liars. <laughs> How can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me?" But really, that's why I brought that up about the truth. I mean, Jesus, you know, when they were trying to, his disciples were trying to figure out truth, which same thing we do in our world. You know, what is the truth? You can't handle the truth. Truth will set you free. Well, what is it? Your truth, my truth. Yeah, Pilate's like, what is truth? And then here's Jesus when, you know, he was trying to say, look, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to leave you. And Thomas is like, yeah, but how do we know? And I mean, where can we go? And then he that famous statement he said i am the truth yep. i am the way i am the life so i mean it's embodied in who jesus is and that's it just because think about it without the godhead without absolute without something that's bigger than all of us 
what you'll see is, and our culture did it in a pretty short period of time, I mean, less than a few hundred years, you'll wind up just saying, well, my, I, there is no truth except for what I think. And somebody says, well, what are we going to call you? Well, my truth is I'm going to be, and then they give you a list of pronouns. And you're just like, is, really, that's where we're at? Like, we can't just even have a conversation. Like the problem is if you're, if you're a part of a movement, anything on the planet where men and women are leading it, well, all men and women are liars at some point. Yeah, or, according even to Even if it's not on purpose. Right. You, you, you get off. You make mistakes. That's why veils came into play here. The veil is whatever lie it is that you think some you're putting your faith and trust in somebody outside of Jesus. There's only one person on the that's ever been on the planet who everything he said was absolute truth. Yep. And that's why it makes the ordinary man seem smart because people who put their faith and trust in Jesus, the reason they can share, they may lie to you in moments of weakness, mm-hmm. but they know someone and can lead you to someone who won't. So if everything he said is true and you base your life after it, all of a sudden the reason for being here becomes a lot more clear. Right. You're trying to get them to do what Paul told the Colossians. We've heard of your faith that you mentioned, Jace, in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth. And he tells you what the word of truth is, the gospel Jesus dying for you, being buried, raised from the dead, that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is producing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. That's one, two, that's three verses that mention the the truth. It identifies it. There's three in a row just like this. Well, as a person. And and if if that's got a veil over it, you're like, good night. They can't. They'll you'll know the truth. The truth sets you free. They're like, free from what? Well, that's why it takes. I'm not. But it takes the pressure. It takes the pressure off you having to be some kind of intellectual, because you see this in a lot of religions where they're trying to have you know higher learning or have a deeper faith through more instruction and um grasp a greater deep knowledge and truth and he's like well how about hang out with this guy and he'll teach you everything you need to know well that to me takes the pressure off because i was never a good student so is he a <laughs> theologian and you say no no, he's not a theologian. He's a, jesus actually operated in a very simple way well don't you think let's take a break Don't you think if Jesus would have wanted that kind of mindset, he, he would have at least picked one out of the 12 that he was going to spend the most time with for three years to be that person? Wouldn't there have been like, I mean, he did study with Nicodemus who wound yeah. up having a believing yeah, heart. The intelligentsia part, that's him four over there. And then yeah. the rest of them, uh, no. He, he didn't go that route. No. And so I think the reason why is because most of the earth is is covered by very common people yep. who who don't who aren't educated. I mean, you think about it, we're talking about the earth now. They're not mental giants. Yeah. We're not talking about one country. We're talking about the whole earth. Yep. I mean, I've been to some places, I'm going to tell you right now, forget about education. I mean, they're they're literally living it day by day. Yep. Enough to get us through till tomorrow. And that's most of the earth. I mean, there's there's way more folks like that than there are, you know, high education, you know, billions philosophers. Well, and- that's why I said the veil sometimes is people can't get past what they think if there is a God, what his people should look like. You remember in Luke seven, when Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, there's a couple of little statements in here that I wanted to read. And it, you know, and this is where the, the statement came in 28. We said, I tell you among those born of women, there's no one greater than John. I mean, here's a guy who doesn't look like he knows how to spell camel. I yeah. mean, it, he's living in the wilderness out here, eating, wearing animal skins and eating bee honey. It says, but he who is in the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And then there's a little parenthetical here that I think really exposes some truth. It says all the people, even the tax collectors, 
This is verse 29 of 7 of Luke. When they heard Jesus' word, acknowledge that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts, well, these are the smart people. In, in the law, I mean, if you're an expert in the law, it's hard to be an expert in the law because it's hard for me to get through the whole book of Leviticus without literally falling asleep. I mean, it's just heavy. It's deep. I don't know. I don't understand. It's ended more yearly Bible reading yeah. uh, programs than any book. But the Pharisees, experts in the law, uh, here's the phrase I was after, rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. So, I mean, that was their veil was they couldn't get past the idea of some guy hollering out in the wilderness, yeah. the equivalent to what we would call a street preacher, I guess. They live sign. by the rules, and someone is telling them there are no rules. Because they couldn't recognize the person Correct. as the truth, is my point. I mean, yeah. they It's the same problem they had with Jesus, I mean, ultimately. Same one. They're like, well, let's have a debate about it. Of course, he, he starts talking in parables. They're like, what, what are you, did you make that up? He's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just, you know what? I made everything up. <laughs> but just think about it. Some guy's going to get up and he's fixed to give some dissertation on God and life. And he starts making up stories. I mean, this has kind of got some sigh. And he doesn't know uh, Jesus yet. He doesn't know Jesus. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, it'd be like Sai getting up and making up because yeah. he. Size is like, well, my, my stories are based on a true story, which, you know, okay. But you're like, <laughs> they well, started in truth. Just, now, look, you may laugh at size stories and you might find them highly entertaining, but you're never walking away thinking there was anything intellectual in them <laughs> that actually might help you in any way. And, and I think by Jesus making up earthly stories with the heavenly truth, heavenly meanings behind them. They, people who think they're smart, they, they just can get past it. There, there's a veil there. They thought, no way. I'm out. And they wouldn't even give it a chance. That's why I said the biggest veil, I think, is not being open-minded. I mean, that's well, something I've made a commitment because I told you that poll before that I read somewhere where I think it was 85% of the people come to Christ do that by age 14. And then it's like the next 11% is... 16 to or 15 to 29. Well, now we're down to 4% when you hit 30. Well, what what's the problem there? People are not open-minded once they get past about 30. The further they go, the harder they're, they're not. They, that is the biggest veil right. out there is. So, well, here I am. I'm 50. I mean, I'm like, keep an open mind, keep an open mind. I tell myself almost daily, because somebody will yeah. say something. If I don't agree with it or they ask me about something, I'm like, I want to I keep open mind here. Because mm -hmm. I realize once you leave 30, you just get it in your head on what you were taught. And if you're not careful, you are you wind up like the Pharisees and the experts, and you're dead wrong. I've told more than a few, a substantial amount of human beings. They're, they're 57 years old, 60, whatever, 48, 49. I said, you're to be commended because most people, when they get your age, you, could, you couldn't beat it in the head with a sledgehammer. And, and most of them say, hey, I should have done this a long time ago, gave my life to Jesus, but I'm just too dumb and hard-headed to do it. Well, and I think that's what goes back to to something. Most of them, you can tell, about, are really heart wrenching. Uh, they, they, yeah. It, it's you know, once you get forty five or fifty, it's well. It's this tough. goes back to our last podcast, and, and I think I think Second Corinthians says it here when he says, "Though outwardly we are wasting away," which goes back to that second law yep. of thermodynamics. Everything's falling apart. Well, the problem is when you get over thirty, the more experience you have on the earth, the worse it gets. You no literally doubt. start falling apart. No I doubt. Mean, every, I mean, marriages are getting divorced. And, you know, the kids are mad at you. Your body's falling apart. Your house <laughs> burned down. And yet you look over there and all, all that's left is the chimney and the fireplace. You're like, yeah. what's going on here? That's ironic. I mean, everything is just bad and this rubbing it in. So you begin to think, well, it's God's fault. He don't, he doesn't love me. I mean, he's not, it's a wrong view of, of, how you're supposed to view life where he says here, you're wasting away. 
And he didn't apologize for it. But he said, inwardly, you're being renewed day by day with the open mind, with a relationship with the Lord, for doing his work. He wasn't like all flowery saying, oh, you know, come to Christ. And if you start sharing Jesus, you'll have all these blessings. He said, we're, we're crut. We're, <laughs> what do you say? We're hard pressed on every side. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. persecuted struck down. We're struck down. I mean, this is not something that... That doesn't sound very, like a gravy train. I mean, the, uh, it's falling apart, and we're in Christ, and everything's <laughs> falling apart around us. And I think that's the difference in perspective. You realize that we got a purpose here. We're not going to be here long. And look, not a lot of things are going to go well. It's just not going to happen. He said our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He basically is taking some some bad news, what Jason's talking about. Phil, that's true. Look, look, I tell people, look, when people say I'm ready to give my life to Christ, I usually say, now hang on. I don't say, oh, great, let's go get this done. I was like, now hang on, are you sure? Because there's going to be some light and momentary troubles. You're going to be persecuted. You may be struck down. Things may not go your way. It's way harder way harder to try to do what's right in this world when you share jesus it it may take a while you it, you may literally have to find the rock in the wilderness during your life in christ i mean this is going to be that that's exactly what he described here and remember he does it all from a personal experience he said all this happened to us so that we could present this to you i think so people, that's what we're called to i think people misunderstand and they say well, how come bad things are still happening to me after I came to Jesus? Where does it say <laughs> bad things are going to stop? That's what my point is. Exactly. You say, man, look. Remember, Christianity. Well, somebody said one time, people go out into the world and people don't come to Christ because of the fear of missing out what's out yep. there in the world. Oh, my. But they don't come to Jesus because of the reality of what that means. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're yeah. in. And it's like, oh, boy. Because Christianity is never about getting. It's about giving. Yep. Yeah. That's the process of it. All right. So uh, we're out of time. Uh, on our unashamed, I've got a four-word qualifier that everybody should have in their vocabulary. So I'll tell you what that is. Four-word qualifier. A four-word four qualifier. Four-word qualifier. I yep. never heard that particular language. So I will That's a fancy way of saying a bumper sticker. There you go. Yeah. I will okay. explain it in overtime. Bumper sticker coming. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.